Welcome to the Process Over Profit podcast. My name is Jack Fleming. I'm here with Sully, aka, uh, well, it's aka Sully. It's Ryan yeah. Sully, the uh, <laughs> content manager at Entra, who is, in fact, the actual sponsor of the podcast as well. Um, <laughs> written up, um, I, didn't, I didn't write it down. I didn't go to the Twitter, the Twitter messages. Uh, again, so season two. New to sponsors, so this is new for new for me saying this on the stream. Uh, but again, this podcast is brought to you by Entra, a new professional network built for entrepreneurs, investors, creators, and freelancers like ourselves. Absolutely, you can easily create, connect, uh, create content, grow your network, and meet new like-minded people in live rooms and events on the app. All listeners can sign up for free and also get upgraded to Entre Pro, which gives you access to over $50,000 deals and discounts with over 100 partners. Go to entre.link backslash Jack. There it is. Make sure to check it out. Yeah, make sure you to see me on there too. Uh, my account is at Jack Does Marketing. So it's, at, it's on, on the below right over here. <laughs> My socials are the same thing, Jack is marketing. But uh, welcome, Sully. How are you? Dude, we're doing good. It's quite beautiful out today in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm having a pretty good day. Lots of stuff going on, and I'm happy to be here. How about you? Sweet, sweet. Yeah, just working hard. Um, I don't, I'm honestly a little bit under the weather, but uh, trying to not to let that hold me back from uh, producing, starting a season two off strong. So. Did absolutely playing some good guests, get some good guests on, and uh, luckily, uh, just was able to get you on, and then hopefully I can uh, just meet some other people using using Entre too to get even more people on. So that's the that's sort of the goal. Happy to make some intros. Actually, I saw a lot of cool people just join today who have all launched on Product Hunt, a lot of cool different products. So I think those might be some good people to reach out to. Yeah, I've been trying to reach out to some different people. Um, it's sort of a marketing business entrepreneurship related podcast so it's sort of a i sort of a everyone on uh from business professionals other people our age to uh to founders to marketing people um really anyone everyone i'm just down to chit chat with and just talk about business i love it but yeah so how, how did you get into it i know you're uh you're young you're are you still in school graduated from penn state in december yeah. of 2020 it's a recent graduate. Yeah, to to jump into how I got into kind of entrepreneurship and entre more specifically, I in high school I started running meme pages and did social media things along those lines, and then got to college. Also did that as well. Uh, ran different Instagram pages. Nothing too crazy, um, but I was just kind of having fun with it, doing little side promotions and there's like telegram groups if for anyone who's listening, whose baby was in those like buy and sell IG pages. Um, and then my freshman year of college, so 2018, it's the end of it. I found a job posting for something called me group, which for those who don't know, that's the OG name of Entra. It was previously called me group, which meant millennial entrepreneur group. Um, and I found the job posting. And I was like, this actually looks really cool. I've never been a part of a startup. I don't know anything about tech startups VC at all. And I went to apply, missed the deadline to apply by a day. And I emailed our CEO, Michael Mara, and was like, yo, 
what you're building seems really cool. I want to be a part of it. Here's my resume. Here's everything. Da, 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 da. Had an interview and then got the job. And I joined just doing social media and video, like I said, without knowing anything about tech or startups or anything at all. And I ended up going to our events, bringing my video camera, filming, editing, repurposing all the content. And through that experience, I got to learn so much because I was like kind of taking notes while editing all this content because there'd be all these like high level VCs, all these incredible founders and just learning from what they were saying at these events. I was able to learn so much about a whole, you know, all kinds of different industries that I had not a clue even existed. Mm, yeah. So to give everyone more context too, uh, we met on, on your app. We just, been yeah. Talking, uh, in, in rooms and through messages and uh, that sort of how we got to know each other pretty well, I guess, through, through, uh, through that, just meeting other people and uh, just talking about business. So, uh, but how, how have you used uh, what you learned in school already in entrepreneurship? I know it's uh, entrepreneurship's weird <laughs> and, and people have a love-hate relationship with schooling. Oh, that's uh, a fun question. <laughs> so this actually, okay, so for anyone who is listening and is a current college student, one of the pieces of advice I'm gonna give you if you can get college credits during school to go work first, like basically what I did was is my program at Penn State would give you college credits uh, for like getting an internship, right? You can get internship credits. So I did that while working at Entra, right? So that way I could take less classes and be able to work more like during the school year. So for one whole year, I got like six credits, which was great. Um, which saved me some time, saved me some money. And since I was already gonna be working on Entra, I was like, I might as well get credits for it and not have to take like random BS gen eds. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I had to document what I was doing for the internship and I also had to write an essay. And the essay question was that. It was, what did you learn from school that applied to your internship or your time at Entra? And I actually wrote in my essay, I said, the question shouldn't be that, it should be, what did you learn at your internship that you didn't learn in school, right? So then I, so I basically wrote like Penn State should be able to figure out, like Penn State should be asking the question like, oh, we should be figuring out what you did do and what you learned that you didn't learn at Penn State. That way we can put that into the curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if they liked that essay or not. I mean, I still got a good grade on everything. Uh, they didn't, I, you know, I didn't really, they probably didn't like that response too much, but I thought it was worth saying. And I would say, Definitely just the th a couple of things I did learn from school. I think uh, reading the lean startup, like that's when I had thing I had in my entrepreneurship class. Um, that was just a really thought provoking book. Um, but not really too, too much that like overlapped really into it because especially whenever it came to like as an advertising major, by the way, advertising major, entrepreneurship minor, there wasn't too, too much of overlap that really, really applied to what I'm doing. Cause most of what I was doing was social media marketing, video like all the stuff that i was kind of just like either i already knew or was just learning on the fly um and also now community efforts and community is a whole other game that they, you can't really teach just in school um so um not a whole lot from school realistically to be honest but i will say the one thing i, I think i did take away was kind of like the organizations that i was a part of that's that's the real thing i loved about being at penn state was being part of thon and line ambassadors and other awesome organizations Mm -hmm. What have you, uh, for, I guess we'll keep on the same track with people who are in college or, or maybe just graduated. Um, are there any tips you can give people who are in, uh, startups now and people who are our age, 
to help them with whatever they're doing, whether it's they're working for someone sort of, or, or they're in a startup like you. So you're working under someone, but still in a startup or yeah. thing and or they're in a nine to five corporate America job. That's a great question. So I think one of the biggest things is talking to as many people as you can. And regardless of what situation you're in, even if you're someone who's nine to five, like even if you're like a college kid, I have a lot of friends that just like the big thing that they want is get out of school and have a hundred thousand dollar job right out of school, right? Which fantastic, right? If that's what you want to do, do that. Or some people want to build a startup. I think the best thing you can do is just grow your network and have like really strong relationships. And I think that's one of the things I've been able to do through Entra and just kind of in life in general, but I think Entra just like accelerated that a lot uh, from building relationships. So I think in the context of if you're someone who is that person who wants to do the nine to five route, I think when you're a freshman, you should go on LinkedIn, find all the alumni, hit them up, send them a Zoom link and be like, or a Calendly link, schedule a call and get to know them about what their day in their life is. Like if you want to be a mechanical engineer, find someone at the company you want to work for, talk to them at understand what it's like their day their life is. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the flip side, if you want to do startups, entrepreneurship, you're trying to build a build a business, I think building relationships now, like like let's say you have like a pre-product company, right? You're so early, start talking to people about what you're building, even if your idea is still not even fully put together, or even you don't have any everything fully, you know, your team built out, everything's just in the works. Talk to as many people as you can that are either your potential customers, your potential investors, your potential partners. Talk to as many people as you can and get your get feedback from lots of people and learn from as many people as you can. And I think that's one of the things, especially whenever it comes to venture back startups. One of the worst things you can do is wait to build relationships with VCs until you need money. Like build relationships months, years before you need money. Mm-hmm. That way they already know who you are. They already know what you're doing. And you have that connection with an investor, an angel or a VC or whoever that is way, way before. And that's like kind of the same thing with the job thing. Like if you're trying to get a nine to five job, build a relationship with someone at Tesla when you're a freshman. That way, when you're a senior, you can reach back out. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Um, I, I think it's making, we're making it easier and easier too to reach out to people with these with these calendly links we can go to a whole talk about the cold calendly rebrand we don't neither of us <laughs> it was not good it is not good I, I think it looks like uh we both did different tiktoks on it but uh i think it looks like the uber logo and <laughs> it looks like the coinbase logo actually um it's like the c but it's like if you mix the two of them then it was made by like a sixth grader yeah yeah, um, but we're making it easier and easier for people to reach out. I mean, there's so many great platforms, Entra, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, that just make it super simple for you to be in contact with high-level people that you can just start building relationships um, with. And then, uh, you know, it's, again, it's all a process. And uh, do you have any tips for people? So honestly, I'm in this boat too, and that you have ideas and super early stage, but uh, you're almost like nervous and that you think people might like take the idea or like, Oh, I'm just going to throw NDAs at them. Or like for one of my ideas, like I need to build a team, but as a, like a business owner, I don't want to give up like, you know, like equity ownership or anything. So I need to build like an actual pay people, be staff, mm-hmm. employees. Um, do you have any, I'm, I'm assuming you're just going to say that they should just 
tell people anyway and just gets me people involved. And, yeah, so, so it's, it's really funny you bring that up because I had somebody who actually joined Entra recently who I had a call with. And before I joined, like five minutes before the call, he messaged me and was like, yeah, man, I have this business thing and I'm going to need to have you sign an NDA. And I was like, that's not going to happen. Um, and the thing, the thing with NDAs, so um, obviously I'm not a lawyer, so look into this more yourself. But from my understanding is if I was like, Jack, I need you to sign this NDA because I have this business idea, right? Me making you sign that NDA puts you in a worse position than me because I technically have control over you in any legal ramifications, right? Like it'd be like, I can sue you. I can do something against you because you did X, Y, Z, or I think you did X, Y, Z, right? So signing NDAs is not something to take lightly. And the only, the person, what I told the person was like, the only time you should, the only time you can really ask someone to sign an NDA is if you have a big enough brand or enough clout, like, or you're at a very established venture backed company. Right. So like if I was Elon, if Elon walked up to you and was like, you need to sign this NDA, you would sign it because it's Elon. Mm -hmm. Right. That makes sense. Right. Or some other very high level person makes sense. Or if it's a hard tech, deep tech, AI, things like that, that makes much more sense for you to keep it a little bit more low key. Um, personally, if you're in consumer tech, you're in fintech, a lot of different things, I think you should be in the majority of people you should be talking to now obviously if you're, you're going to talk to a direct like i wouldn't obviously it, it depends it really does depend on your business some people do want to go stealth mode and i think stealth mode is much better for companies that are like hard tech deep tech as in if you're building something with machine learning ai um things along those lines that do take a lot of development work and things that are you're more scared of Google than you are of your friend down the street kind of thing. It just, it's really, it's really nuanced, but I'm going to say for the majority of things, I think it's better to tell people strategically that you trust and people that you think are going to actually add value and give you valuable feedback. I think it's 100% worth it. Maybe you don't want to go screaming at the top, you know, top of the mountain and whatever, that's fine. But I think telling people that you think are great is worth it. And when I told the guy too, I was like, dude, I don't have, whatever you're building, I don't have enough time to build it, yeah. right? That's the other thing. Whenever you're talking to other people who are in startups or founders, they already have their own North Star. They already have their own thing that they're doing that is like, they, they don't even have enough time to worry about it themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I would say. And then for what kind of what you were touching on with building teams, um, it does really depend on what you're building. Um, I mean, obviously I'm not the founder, but from my position, I do have equity in Entra, right? That's that's what I got, um, and I think I think it's worth giving out equity, depending on the situation. I think with core people on the team, people that are extremely valuable, people that are going to go the extra mile, people that are going to be there with you through ups, downs, insides, outs, everything, worth it, right? And those people, because like if they're not getting paid much, and you don't have the financial capabilities to pay them what they actually deserve to put in, then equity makes it worth it because they want to get that return on investment too. Um, I think it's definitely worth doing equity uh, for the right people you can, and then outsource what you outsource the things that aren't as important. So getting a VA to do a lot of work or people on Fiverr or things like that to cut down your costs, especially when you're early stage. And then as you start to scale, maybe you raise money or you start making revenue, then you can really start making those like really strategic hires.
I knew exactly what you're gonna say. <laughs> I've seen tweets about it a lot recently. Actually, it's like people just need to get stuff out there. Um, don't worry about NDAs and all this other stuff. Like it's just almost, especially with software. People yeah. No software, no software enough to where they can build it, even if they see it anyway. So like that's why I opened these open platforms are huge now because like they're gonna there's so many different ways to, to make things and they can probably figure it out themselves because they're just smart human beings for sure and and the last thing i want to add to is building in public i think if, if that's something like that we that's something that we try to do and i see a lot of other startups do it very successfully um depending on what your niche is and what industry you're in it can be better for some industries than others so i think like consumer tech like for us, um, I know Copy AI did it really well as well, even though they're not consumer tech. Um, I think there's a lot of companies that I see that are building in public on TikTok, Twitter, Entra, that are just killing it. And I think it's a really, really good way to do it because like I see people, if you search hashtag build in public on any platform, you'll see a lot of founders that are sharing, like the one guy I followed, uh, I think he was on Twitter, he would tweet out like his UI UX designs right and he'd be like which one do you like do you like this color scheme or that color scheme and then you get authentic feedback from doing that mm. right or i saw someone who did that, this on TikTok, who he built his entire product from TikTok, as in he put out a video of him like i'm thinking about building this it exploded and then his he went through the whole journey of building this entire product mm -hmm. from TikTok, which was awesome that's crazy yeah what are your thoughts on this is sort of in the same uh idea of early stage but just um and you know i've started to get more into twitter as you suggested because i got real silent for a minute there and then uh you know i'm trying to build relationships with these vcs and all now um, yeah but what are your thoughts on almost like the stages of like okay is what's too early like i know some people in, like invest basically just off the ideas some people you know you want like a good prototype and results um there's not really a lot of like i don't want to say clarity but there's like there's just so many variations of what works and what people like and do you have any insight onto uh just when we should talk with vcs when 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 things should occur so i think it's never a bad time to build relationships Mm -hmm. Right. I think formally, like if you're like, hey, I want to pitch you kind of thing that I would hold until you think you're at the right spot. And that can be different for different startups, different industries. Um, and also VCs aren't always just investing in ideas. They're investing in people. Right. That's what I really, especially in early stage, like there are 99% of the time, not I, I don't take my word for that, but the majority of the time they're investing in people. Right. Have you built another startup before? Did it fail? What did you learn? Right. Even if even if it failed, even if you had five failed startups, that's still super valuable mm -hmm. to show. Um, I think that's definitely one of the biggest things is if you can build relationships now, even you don't have a product and you're still just putting together the thing, talking to as many VCs, founders, and getting those introductions as possible is super valuable. Um, if you can get a solid team built out because they're going to look at the team more importantly than they are even just the product or the idea because anyone can have an idea right i can have an idea for for a fintech company right now doesn't mean that they're going to write me a check because i don't have a technical team built out i don't have a product i have nothing right <laughs> excuse me but 
So I think, um, I think building relationships early is super valuable. And that's kind of like what we did for, for a lot of our stuff. So we built relationships with a lot of VCs through hosting events, right? Prior to even launching Entra. So there's a lot of people who knew what we were building before we even wrote a single line of code, which was like how we were able to build partnerships and get like a hundred plus partners on Entra Pro um, and also just raise money, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. What are... And we talk about open, like uh, building in public, um, and that's goods and bads, right? So I, f- I feel like still a lot of entrepreneurs glorify like, oh, uh, this business is going well, it's super successful, you know, me and my Lamborghini kind of thing. <laughs> I've somehow brought this up in most podcasts I talk about. Um, yeah. You know, I'm the marketing guy, and so everyone loves marketing themselves the best they can. But uh it's the goods and the bad, you know, I'm, I'm, I think the stat that most businesses fail is, uh, I mean, it's not talked about enough, even though it, it is, but it's like, I almost think bi- building businesses is also a numbers game too. And like, for hey, sure, work, like in your entrepreneurial, like do something out, shift, pivot, like heck last year was insane. It's during, during COVID, like a ton of people have to shift and pivot people, uh, made new products based on the whole pandemic, but also like businesses failed because of the pandemic. Um, so it's the ability to uh, just show the goods and the bads of entrepreneurship. I 100% agree. I actually saw somebody tweet that they like shut down their business and it got like 100, like the dude had like a really small Twitter account, but it was like the tweet like blew up because he like came out and was like, yep, I spent six months trying to build this and it failed looking for something new. And like a bunch of people were like, yo, you should do da, 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 or like you could join my startup or you can like, you know, being authentic and, and it's, a, it's hard to do too, you know, especially when you have a really shitty day and you're like, um, you know, stuff's not going the way it should. Um, definitely difficult, but I think it's valuable when you can do it because it also shows authenticity, which I think is another thing that's just like super valuable. I think authenticity is like a very, very under underrated thing um and building the authentic relationships like i i like this i think a lot of this conversation has been around relationships and i think it's so important like i love whenever i get a text like out of the blue from someone i haven't talked to in a minute like yo sully i know this person you need to meet and i'm like absolutely thank you. like it's it's you know it all comes full circle um for sure mm-hmm. what are uh some cool business ideas that you because you're just everywhere you're the you're the entrepreneur of knowing all entrepreneurs what are some uh, cool cool things you hear heard that's happening or cool stories you've heard from other entrepreneurs that we you've spoken with uh any, any cool things going on in the uh entrepreneurship space as a whole that you that um, you see from the the, the gen z perspective <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy. There's a lot of really cool startups. I'm trying to think of like which ones I want to jump at. Uh, one of my friend Everett, who I think you've met before, he has a really awesome NFT platform uh, built specifically for creators, kind of like a stock exchange for uh, creators. I have another friend who has a, he's building Shopify for service-based businesses, which is really cool. Um I'm seeing a lot of stuff coming up in the creator economy, helping creators monetize better. So Stan, what is it? Stanwith.me uh, is sort of like a Linktree-esque 
product, but you can buy stuff directly on that web page, which is cool. So if you're selling something, you could just be like, if you were just doing like um, physical products or maybe one-on-one coaching or whatever that is, someone could just pay right on that page, which is really cool. Um, let me look around real quick. I'm like, look, I'm like looking at my calendar because my calendar is just full of uh, of previous calls. Um, there's a lot of different startups. I think I think the creator economy is something I'm very bullish on. Um, I'm seeing lots of fat, like lots of startups, like the creator economy being really, really big and how helping creators monetize because I think there's a stat where like 30% of like middle schoolers want to be YouTubers. Um, and a lot of YouTubers, that's not the only way they monetize. It's not just through YouTube, you know, it's through merch or it's through NFTs or it's through all these other options too. Like, and being able to actually use all of that, I think is really, really powerful. Um, oh, and another cool startup that I want to plug, uh, I definitely need to schedule a call with the founder. I've talked with him a little bit. Uh, it's called MealMe. Uh, if you order, I'm going to give him a little promo. I'll send it out to him. If you order food on like DoorDash, Grubhub, whatever, got to use MealMe because it aggregates all of, so basically if you're like, I want to order Taco Bell right now, it will aggregate and you click order and it will order the fastest and cheapest option between DoorDash, Uber Eats, Post, like all the different options for you. And I think it's so cool. So I think aggregation is really, really cool. Or that, you can do that with Uber and Lyft too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of people will be like, Uber Black is cheaper than Uber right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought That's it was really a really, cool, yeah. really, really cool. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff happening with crypto, but I am not knowledgeable enough on the crypto space. I wish I was. I'm definitely invested in crypto, but I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where crypto goes. Uh, I'm definitely throwing money in, but not into like all the altcoins and the shit coins that you're probably seeing on like TikTok and Twitter and wherever else. Um, but I think crypto is a super interesting space. Yeah, I'm trying to get into it, as I've told you, but uh, I'm just no. It's still like super cloudy. Uh, it's just hard to figure out. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things with it is I think it's less. I, I think people are trying to jump on trains and I think Mark Cuban and there's a couple other people who are really, I, I think the bigger and most important part is understanding the underlying technologies, right? That, that's what I need to sit down and understand like how smart contracts work, how, how people are programming stuff in solidity, um, how the networks are working, things along those lines and understanding the underlying technology because that's what really, really matters. Um, and that, that's the other thing too that I think about is there's lots of great startups, but it's, looking at the startups that are powering them like i think i think a good example of this is like clubhouse is cool but you know who made a lot of money from clubhouse is agora right and agora is the underlying technology that allows clubhouse to have really fast uh audio right and i think zoom uses them as well so like finding those companies that have that underlying technology you've never heard of they're, they're not very outwardly facing they're probably not building in public but finding those companies i think are very interesting I have some uh, some money and in investments in actual like stocks of things that do that in real life. I'm just mm -hmm. but uh yeah, they definitely do like back end like they it's stuff with like phones and all. But uh yeah, it is it is things like that 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 are the the you know just continually grow too, and they make new things. So if they that yes they like have the big company as their their client, but also they're trying to innovate and continually exactly and better. 
Exactly. And I also think another side side note, just a general entrepreneurship that I see, uh, equity crowdfunding, I think is really, I think equity crowdfunding, revenue-based financing, I think both of them are going to be very, very interesting in the venture landscape because I think a lot of companies are going to start taking that, taking the shift instead of like, okay, I can raise money from a VC and the VC is going to take a board seat and have voting power and equity. Or I can do equity crowdfunding and allow my early adopters to have equity, you know, and allow the c- consumer to have equity in my startup. I see that being a big shift. And then also revenue-based financing through like revenue slash debt financing, like through companies like ClearCo. Uh, so ClearCo is pretty focused on e-com, but I think they're going to shift into SaaS and other startups as well. Um, but they do very fast like financing where you can like get approved, I think in like two days, maybe it might even be sooner than that. Uh, I believe you connect your Stripe and your other, you know, backend services. And you're basically able to verify how much revenue you're making, what you're doing, what you're selling, et cetera. They'll review it and then they can write you a check for hundred K and then you pay them back based off of your revenue. It's like a revenue share uh, without giving up any equity, any board seats, nothing. So I see both of those disrupting venture capital as a whole. Uh, equity crowdfunding, even just regular crowdfunding. I know a lot of people who use Kickstarter, like Peloton was a Kickstarter and now it's a public company. And now there's some PR issues with their treadmill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it works, it works. I think there's definitely an interesting fit between like accredited investors and non-accredited investors too. And that there's a lot of people out there like I brought up the, the Gen Z talk that we had the other day of Gen Z in, v, uh, in VC. He's like, how? <laughs> yeah. Like, We're in VC. I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure probably they work for people, other people. But uh, <laughs> it's it's a it's an interesting space for sure. And I think there's a lot of uh, cool things coming out uh, that will make things easier and or better. For- I think... And also just democratizing it too, because I think VC especially is just like all the same old dudes in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. right? That are just like, have all of the deal flow. They have all the connections. They have all of the money to throw at whatever. And I see a lot like equity crowdfunding, be able to democratize that to where we can start getting those investments. We can start investing in startups and stuff. Um, and then I see Tiger Capital. I'm not sure if you know who Tiger Capital is, but they're they're just swooping in and just investing in so many companies it's kind of ridiculous they're pumping i forget what the stat is but they're doing more investment deals than a16z right now because they're just trying to do volume so they're just trying to get money into every single deal possible and they're just doing lower terms so like instead of like if a16z was like i want 10 percent equity in your company for a hundred thousand tiger capital will come in and say oh, i want 10 percent for fifty thousand, and i won't take a board seat just to get the deal Right, and they're doing that to everybody, uh, which is really crazy. And I feel like a lot of a lot of Silicon Valley investors are kind of shitting their pants because they don't know what to do uh, because they can't beat that. And they have like I think a couple billion dollars under management, so it's like hard that you can't. If you're a small VC fund, you can't even compete with that. Mm-hmm. What about um, yes? There's a lot of big VC funds coming out, um, but there's also a lot of local, um, like ne- almost like investing networks. Um, Again, with like the building the the network and just chit chatting with people, um, do you think it'd be better to maybe focus on them first and foremost? Like, I think I think when doing equity and all, it's like you don't definitely don't want to give up too much either. 
I, I know a lot of business owners are like, oh, I want to maintain ownership. Like that's very important. Um, yeah. And also like, it, it really diluted too, right? For sure. It definitely comes down to taking the time and the due diligence for making sure not only like you're keeping your equity as a founder uh, secured and safe, but for the investors that you are going to bring on for equity, that they're not just writing checks. Right. Like that, that is the value that some of these bigger investors can bring is that they have the network themselves already. They have the value. Like you got to find the investors that are going to bring actual value and actually support you along the way. So it just depends on really what you want. I mean, as a founder, some founders just want money and they say, I'll, I'll send you an email what's going on in a month. You know, I'll keep you in the loop. Other founders want investors that are going to make those strategic introductions and are going to bring on those partnerships. It really depends on what industry you are, what kind of founder you are, what kind of VC you want. Um, but no, definitely uh, making sure to protect your equity is super important, which is why safes have become super popular, simple agreement for future equity. So at that first round, you're not giving up straight equity. Um, it doesn't convert until the next round. Mm -hmm. Crazy right now. It's a crazy time. And or VC and or this technology space. And it's always evolving. Um, but it's really cool to be a part of it. And especially you're, you're literally on the front lines, just chatting <laughs> with everyone. And even from like me, marketing guy, you're like also talking with VCs and investors and creators. You're literally have your hands and everything. How it is, how is it handling all of that? Like all this like, <laughs> info coming in uh, and just being almost because uh, i have this issue with honestly like risk relationships with people and i'm i'm big on quantity maybe mm -hmm. quality <laughs> uh, yeah i know a lot of people but also it's like you know i might uh not have the best re like relationships with people is do you, is are you is that the same way for you as do you know like a ton of people in different spaces is it a lot of uh just numbers i would say it's prioritizing people you know, and you want to prioritize people in both ways, people that you can actually help and support and people that can help and support you, mm -hmm. right? And I actually, ironically, I have another startup to plug. Uh, super early stage, still in alpha, like slash beta. I just, the, my he, the shaker just onboarded me onto it a few weeks ago. Uh, it's called orbit.cc, O-R-B-Y-T-T. -E, -T. I'm going to pull it up so I don't misspell it. Um, but it's essentially a CR, a personal CRM to keep track of all of your connections. And it basically all of the calls and meetings that you have in your calendar, it will create a contact. So I'd be like Jack Fleming, that's a person, boom, here's their email, here's who they are. And that way I can keep track of all my connections. And then it also scrapes the web for those people. So like if I, if it, it will be like, oh, hey, Jack Fleming just got featured in Forbes. You should hit him up and say, congrats which is really cool. Um, I think it's a really, really cool product. And as soon as he always telling you about it, I was like, dude, I need this. Like, I need this. And you can tag, you know, I can put tags for like, okay, Jackson marketing. Um, Steve is in, he's a VC. And you can put tags for all the different people uh, to organize your network. And I was like, I want this product. Uh, so it's a really, really cool. And I think doing that uh, to prioritize people is really, really important. People that you definitely know that you need to stay in touch with. And I think staying in touch is also, can be as simple as just sending them a tweet or sending them something that relates to them. Like for example, uh, I'm not sure if you follow Gerardo Perez on TikTok. Uh, he's someone I actually should reach back out to ironically. But last time I did reach back out to him, um, 
Reddit put out a tweet that was like, uh, or the founder, I don't know, someone, some of the executives at Reddit was like, we're looking for like a VP of growth marketing or branding or something. I forget what it was. And I said, I have a droid. I was like, yo dude, you should, uh, you should throw your name in the hat, see what happens. Right. Just something as simple as that is, is super powerful or just sending it like selling over to somebody and being like, yo, you should check out this, you should check out this company as an, they might have an opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's something that you could do. It's really simple and shows you care. Like one of my friends, she introduced me to someone at ClearCo and was like, Hey, you should get connected to them. They're doing a bunch of influencer marketing. Right. Had a great call with the guy. Um, so stuff like that, even as simple as that is, is takes five seconds. Uh, I think it's more honestly offhand where you see something like if I see something that's marketing related, I'll be like, Oh, I should send this to Jack. Uh, you know what I mean? And just like that simple. It doesn't have to be like, I'm going to plan to talk to him every single three weeks on a Tuesday. You know, I, it's honestly one off when you see something that you think relates to them mm-hmm. and just keeping that, that constant contact. That's really cool. I just got, and I use HoneyBook. I, I like it. <laughs> so it's, it's a good, uh, new and cheap, free, easy to use uh, plat- CRM for more like freelancers. And I can easily send over uh, services, services sheets and, uh, contracts and invoices and it can do recurring and could i basically put in my whole stack of business cards in it the other day uh it, it, was, it was a while ago but um so it's a good that's nice all of every, everything but uh that uh almost like ai kind of uh thing that you were talking about the crm that you can it's almost like a trello too mm-hmm. and finding those tools tasks mm-hmm Finding those tools are, are so important. Like finding the right stack of things um, is definitely like a really important move to making sure you can automate everything that you can, you know? Yeah. So we're going to take a, uh, a viewer or a listener question really quick. So what's your favorite Disney animated movie? Disney animated movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, I always get it confused with what's Disney and what's Pixar, so it's gonna that might mess it up a little bit. Uh, new groove, but I'm pretty sure it's Pixar. I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> I think I yeah. get confused too. Because uh, I would say Monsters Inc., but I think they'll respond or uh, they'll respond with uh, if if we're correct or not in that realm. But I, I think Monsters Inc., but I think that's Pixar. Yeah. Uh, hmm, I'm trying to think. Toy Story is a classic, mm-hmm. but that's also Pixar. I don't know. Lilo and Stitch, maybe. That's, that's Frozen's a- also good. Um, I don't think I like Sing. So that animated movie of the singing animals. Don't know why I liked it so much, but I just enjoyed it. <laughs> it's a good uplifting movie. I don't even know anything. I don't even know. I don't oh. Know. What was that one soul that came out recently? Mm-hmm. That's deep. That's like, so, that's a Disney movie. Definitely watch that. That was like way too deep for a kid's movie. Low key. I, I watched it actually with Michael our CEO when we were in Florida. We were just like, damn, that's a lot to handle. Like we're just rethinking life. It was, it was really good. Yeah, they thought they have a lot of uh, with that. And then, uh, is that the same movie of like the, uh, the, the, the skeletons? Like I think skeletons is that the no I for, I'm not sure what you're good stuff about that too oh you're thinking of uh oh I know exactly what you're talking about but I can't think I it's Hispanic um 
I can't think of the name. I know. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I can't think of it. The, the one I'm talking talking about is the guy who plays Jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget who the voice actor is for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's gonna drive me nuts. I'm not good at like specific, even just like knowing favorites of things. I not good at keeping favorites of things. Uh, a good movie I like is Imitation Game, just in general. Good overall With, movie. Um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, with uh, the submarine, I've, or the boat. What the heck was the boat that, that they were going to sink? I can't remember what it was called. I don't remember my history. Uh, they're doing like German, uh, was it like Nazi, or they're doing some, uh, I haven't seen it in a while. But, uh, Decrypting yeah. the messages, yeah. And then they had a debate if they were going to save this boat or not. That's really good. It's a good movie. It's a solid movie. Not Disney, but I'm game for it. <laughs> well, I, I, that, see, that's the thing. If you would just say specifics, and I'm like, I don't know. And then I immediately just go to, like, I'm just going to give you my favorite in general. Uh, and then I told you the other day, what was it uh, that I said was a, a like a good marketing and sales movie? Uh, uh, Greatest Showman. <laughs> that's also yes. <laughs> um, good marketing and sales movie. I need to see that. I've heard I've heard good things about that movie. Oh, it's very good. I like it a lot um but we'll get back to the vision side of things um, <laughs> let's see what what do i want to ask you though what what's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur or just being in the space of being in, in around other entrepreneurs too so i love my space that i'm in mainly because since i'm doing community Specific, like I think I obviously I do community and content, but I think community is like a real blast for me because if you probably couldn't already guess, I love people, right? Uh, so part of what I'm doing is I'm sending out DMs to lots of new users, getting to know them more than just based off their profile picture and where they're from, like actually hopping on calls with them, getting to know them. Like I had a call yesterday with somebody who was in that ideation stage of his startup and was like, I'm trying to build this. I don't really know what to do. I mean, him just talked for like 30 minutes about a diff- hundred different ways that he could do this, um, which was really cool. And then on the flip side of that too, before I started hosting these Gen Z weekly rooms, we were sort of just hosting rooms just like out in the open, like whoever wanted to join would just pop in. And I had a conversation with this kid who was like 16. He was from an Eastern European country. I don't remember which one off the top of my head. Um, but definitely still a developing nation. And he was telling me he wanted to be an entrepreneur because he, he wanted to be an entrepreneur. And he was like, dude, do you think I can make money like, you know, doing graphic design and, and stuff along those lines, like with like Fiverr? And I was like, yeah, dude, for sure. There's a lot of opportunity doing that. It's like, how much do you think I could make? And I just threw out a number. I was like, I don't know, like 500 bucks a month. Like that's, that's you know, he's 16. He's getting his, you know, just started. It's like probably 500 bucks a month. And he goes, $500. And I was like, yeah, 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 definitely you can get 500 bucks. If you work hard, you can get even more than that. And he was blown away by that. And while we were talking, I looked it up. I forget what country it was from, but like the average, you know, USD to what his currency was, like the average salary was like 600 bucks a month. Right. So he was just like blown away by, by that opportunity. And I was like, that was such a, like, he, he felt like so uplifted and so happy after that conversation. I was like, this is so cool. Um, just having conversations like that and especially meeting like young founders that just want to get into it and just want to get into entrepreneurship. Um, and part of my job 
So if you have a call with me, if you join Entre and you go to my Calendly link and schedule a call, take take this opportunity. Literally, if I can't, if Entre can't solve your problem, I try to. Right. So if like you're looking for investors, or you're looking to developers, or you're looking for this, or you're looking for advice on that, whatever it is, if Entre can't solve it, I will. That's what I try to do. I try to leave each conversation with like a golden nugget of value. That way, when someone leaves the conversation, like I just had an awesome 30 minute conversation with Sully from Antra and he gave me this little thing. Um, and people will remember it, which is great. And they'll hopefully come back and share what they learned or you know share what they're building. Um, and I think it's a lot of fun just be able to help people like that. So that's my favorite part of being in the space, my job slash entree, kind of like a mesh between everything. Um, I'd say that and just kind of being in the new, I think is like a good way of putting it, just seeing like these new new companies coming up all the time um, and just having friends that just like love knowing like what new tech stuff is happening. I think it's a really fun space to be in. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go into content a little bit because I'm in that realm a lot. I know how... <laughs> takes a long time to make content it does it's, it's quality and quantity right so people preach like okay just push it out do, do uh, quantity and then a lot of other people are like oh you, you need to the quality quality content that people like blah blah um i think it's a good thing it needs to literally be both you need to be producing quality content um a lot of it uh, yeah but like how how are you doing that for timing <laughs> I know for like for me i'm everywhere so the marketing guy I need to be on pinterest linkedin whatnot uh facebook youtube twitter instagram literally everywhere um but do you suggest that businesses should stay in sort of like the 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 big couple the big like maybe facebook instagram twitter keep it plain I, simple or i think it really it depends on your business and what you're building right so like i preach TikTok a lot but there's some businesses where if you're in Enterprise SaaS, TikTok is a waste of your time. Be on, be on LinkedIn, right? It really depends on what your business is. And honestly, I think picking one or two might be your best move, right? Maybe three, uh, whether that's like Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're very video focused, probably just do those. Twitter, you don't really need. LinkedIn, you don't really need. Um, it just, and that's pretty much the ones that we're very heavy on. But Twitter, we, we're very heavy on Twitter as well uh, because that's where a lot of tech and startups is. So we got to definitely be active. Um, and then whenever it comes to quality over quantity, especially when it comes to video content. So this is kind of what I realized is like, I think when people think of quality video content, they think of like that guy who has a studio, right? Has a studio, has a mic, has a light, has like a thousand dollar camera and the whole thing's edited in Premiere and all this other stuff, right? I think that's great. But I don't think that's like your return on investment is not enough until you hit a certain inflection point. Because regardless, like the way I look at it is especially TikTok kind of shifted my mindset on this is it's less about the camera and the studio and the lighting and all this other stuff. And it's more about who you are and what you're saying, right? Because um, like Mr. Beast can whip out his phone, say something into the camera, and post it anywhere and it will get millions of views because he's Mr. Beast. It doesn't need to be this, you know, obviously he's built up a lot of clout and he does, he's very famous now, but that's kind of the way I look at it. If you keep doing that and you're having a good story, a good message, you're providing value, everything else is irrelevant. As long as you hit a certain level of quality, right? I think there's a threshold. Like obviously 
don't have, you know, a really crappy camera and really bad lighting. And, you know, there's certain things that you can drop 50 bucks on a ring light and a mic. And now you're set. Now you hit that quality level to where it's fine. So I think hit that quality standard and then make good content. Um, and then quality over quantity, I think that depends on what you're, what you're going for, right? And what your, what your end goal is. So like, if you're trying to grow a lot on TikTok, I think you should focus more on quantity with a quality standard. If you're trying to be like, if you wanna build like long form content on YouTube, then I think it's probably more quality focused than quantity. It just depends on what your goal, what your vision is, where you really want to be and what you're trying to build. Um, but I think I think now with creator economy and all the tools that are at your disposal, I think it's super, it's become so much easier to be able to get uh, that quality standard that you need that's expected and still be able to uh, have a good amount of quantity. I think that's really, really help businesses, especially with new, even new social media platforms coming out like Clubhouse or yeah. Like I, I, I like most of us, we were on it. For, we were on it for a little bit. Uh, we're on the train, and then uh, we just, I guess, got sick of it and started <laughs> going back to our daily lives. And uh, yeah, it's just an, almost a time waste. I'm not a time waster because I know a lot of people are getting valuable in mm -hmm. networking off of it. But uh, I think of it more like, okay, I'm just going to listen to it while cooking or multitasking and maybe putting it on. It's just, but if you like specifically try to, to invest in it, and I think it is a lot of this time. For sure. We, we grew the Future of Work Club to 200,000 followers on it, uh, which was super valuable. I haven't used it in a bit now, honestly. Uh, but we did grow. We built a lot, like a lot of good relationships from it. But now there's a lot of people swooping into the space, including ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, Spotify just rolled out the green room, which I think is super interesting. I'm not sure if you saw that. You probably end uh, up. Might... Twitter did too. Twitter Spaces or something. Yeah, Twitter Spaces. But the green room is interesting because it's geared for podcasts. So like you could live record your podcast directly onto Spotify. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. So. <laughs> that exactly and you can have a thousand users um the whole it's a really it's a really well built out platform spotify was smart they acquired it's really funny spotify actually acquired i forget what the company was called Breakroom. i could be wrong uh they acquired the social audio company that had like a thousand users for like 50 million <laughs> because they just wanted it they were like we need this now boom yeah. smart probably a really smart play on their part they bought it rebranded it scaled it up and just released it the other day I haven't got to play around with it. I haven't downloaded it, but I haven't signed it and signed up yet. That's crazy. Um, what I know, uh, the TikToker, uh, Tejas, yeah, Tejas Holder. Um, he was talking about that. I slid into his uh, Twitter just to see if I could get him on too. Um, but mental health as entrepreneurship, not talking about it enough, I don't think. Um, but it's obviously huge, and that there's a lot of stats out there, and like, hey, entrepreneurs are, uh, basically high rate of everything yeah <laughs> which is almost like we take it as a like a, a good thing for us kind of thing but uh it, i mean it is true like hey if you're if you're failing multiple businesses like it is definitely hard um what keeps you going like i mean the, for those 14 16 hour days uh <laughs> dark to dark uh yeah like, a little glass bubble you're in 
No, I I will be. I a lot of nights will be here till like ten, eleven p.m. or later. So it's bad. I feel that. No, it's it's definitely important um, taking your mental health into account. Um, I think setting boundaries. I actually, my girlfriend helps me a lot with this. Like we'll be talk. Like we'll talk usually in the evenings because both of us do a bunch of stuff, and we'll have a boundaries like no work talk. No, we're just talking about stuff like that. Uh, like only only fun things, nothing, you know, no work after this time, which is great. Um, so I think setting boundaries for yourself, I think, I, I, I think everything comes down to priorities, right? When I was talking about earlier, like prioritizing the right people, you need to prioritize yourself, right? So look in your calendar and block off an hour every day to do whatever that thing is that you really enjoy doing that's not related to work, right? I think that's something that's really important to do. Mm -hmm. lunch and learn, the lunch and learn the other day from uh, GZ. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like that's, I think that's so important. Uh, I actually just joined like an adult lacrosse league. That's going to be like a couple hours every Wednesday. And I'm like super hyped for that because I haven't gotten to play lacrosse in so long. So I think finding that thing where you can just decompress and not uh, do work stuff is definitely a move. Cause I know myself and a lot of other founders uh like i've caught myself it's it's i mean this is not mental health related but this is also just like not being able to turn off i think that's probably a problem that i have that i think i need to work on is being able to turn off the business entrepreneurship mind for a minute as in like i've caught myself at a bar telling somebody to start a business right like i'm like <laughs> so it's definitely definitely something to to work on um i don't think that's a bad thing though like I think no. it's just as entrepreneurs, you're just you're just in, intuitive and know of just situations. You're like even at a bar, you're just like, I wonder how this is run efficiently. I wonder if technology could help it. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, no, I I feel that. No, you'll look at a, you'll look at some like small shop, and you're like, huh, they could definitely increase the revenue. Hmm. No, I feel that too. Um, and I'd say for mental health, it's also like leaning on people. Is super important. I think a lot of people, pri primarily men, for the most part, do this. They don't feel comfortable talking about emotions, right? And I think like you finding people that you can actually rely on, whether that's people in your network or, or not in your network. I mean, like on your team, like being able to have open, candid conversations with team members and be like, "Yo, I'm extremely stressed. Like, I'm just freaking out with anxiety. Can we just not do like you know? Be super blunt with how you feel about things." Uh, I think it's very valuable to do and building actual relationships with people on your team. Um, and then just friends in general, family, finding people that you actually know that you can lean on. I feel like a lot of people like to keep things bundled up and just like, ah, I'll worry about that later. And no, nah, definitely worth like finding people that you can just call up on a moment's notice and be like, yo, I just need to talk. Um, and if you don't have those people, find them and call them and let them know because like they care about you. You don't realize how many people actually do care about you. Uh, I think that was a yeah, put that as my answer. Cool. That's awesome. Um, definitely, especially other entrepreneurs know the space very well of mental health. And it's always good to know like, hey, like just you reaching out and just being supportive can really help someone's day and you know, could possibly even save their life too. Yeah, and even also just checking in on people. I forgot to add that too. You know, check especially like other entrepreneur friends, just be like, hey, have you been doing all right? I just want to check in. You know, and like it will catch them off guard probably, but I think it's an important question 
that to ask people just be like, hey, how have you been mentally? You've been you've been doing good. Like I see you working a lot. Don't don't put it as like you look stressed, but put it as like you're working a lot and most human beings don't work this much. Yeah. I just want to make sure you're doing all right and you're putting time for yourself, you know? Um, I think that's an important question to ask people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't want to keep going too long. We're already an hour in. Yeah. So I don't want to hold to you, but uh, anything, just like last few things, anything you see, this I guess it can sort of relate to the back uh, of you being involved in knowing Gen Z, new, new companies coming out, but anything uh, just upcoming, future related uh, in the entrepreneurship space that you can see. Uh, it's a little bit different when I, I ask marketers about this because they're like, oh, yeah, you can do this, this, this. Or like I was talking about like iOS 14 update with some people. Like mm-hmm. uh, you could talk. About, is there anything in the direct like entrepreneurship space that you see is like booming or a new way of? thinking or anything any uh anything you want to say that you're like like gary vita does all the time he'll make a statement and it'll be like it'll come true a couple couple years later. <laughs> he's good at that any 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 uh anything you want to say that will probably come true in the, in the near future i'd say a couple things i'd say <laughs> oh excuse me i'd say a couple things i'd say this way right now <laughs> community building i think or communities online communities are huge I think people are going to become distant from the big players of Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, those platforms. I think they're going to be, I'm already seeing it. I'm in so many discords and Slack channels and all these other things. Um, I think online communities is huge. I think remote work, we already know this one's happening. Uh, Remote living, or not living, sorry, long-term rentals. I think that's a very big part of it, especially for people who are young. Uh, I actually did a TikTok on and reached out to the founder of Together Casa. Um, basically, you can organize a house. Like basically, it's a whole. They help you put together the whole process. If you want to do like a hype house, but for it doesn't have to be a content house, but it can be like you and five other people who are in marketing all live together, right? Mm-hmm. Or me and five other people who are a part of startups all live together, right? Which I think is really cool. I think that's going to be something a lot of young people are going to be doing. Do that for a couple months. Maybe go get an Airbnb in Austin, Texas for a couple months. I see that being a very big part of it because with all this remote work, if you get a remote job, you can live anywhere you want. Um, and that's also kind of like a cool thing because it's taking online communities and bringing them in person. So kind of like a good mesh. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, equity crowdfunding and just crowdfunding as a whole, I think that's going to be a very big disruptor of VC. And yeah, I think those few things are probably the biggest one. And I'm also just very bullish uh, on the creator economy as a whole. It's just figuring out what sectors and what products and what specifically within it uh, is gonna be interesting. Um, Interesting to see like who really comes out on top of creator economy. I'm seeing a lot of companies that are like, I can't remember what the name of it is. There's a couple that are like specifically for managing creator. It's like creator economy management. It's like, if you're a creator, you can see like, oh, I'm making revenue for this much revenue from YouTube. I'm making this much revenue from my merch site. I'm making this much revenue from this. And it's just organizing all of it uh, and managing your- TikTok management. Hmm? guy on Entra that was doing TikTok management or maybe it was TikTok marketing specifically. Yeah. Or it's almost a lot like of a sports, agency, sports management agency of creators. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are just going and managing creators as well. Um, 
and it makes sense because there's all these brands like I can <clears throat> there's all these brands that like are especially older brands that like see influencers but don't know how to work with them or don't want to manage them themselves mm-hmm. right so that's what I'm seeing a lot um one of the girls who's the founder of creatorhood Kristen Wagner is awesome I had a call with her and she was on the creator economy panel uh that's kind of what her company does it's like an agency for her finding those big brands then her having all these content creators creating content um for those brands which is great so I'm seeing a lot of that happening too and it, it's a win-win for everybody brands get really good exposure content creators get paid and her as an agency also gets paid and everyone's building relationships along the way oh yeah cool well um if you want to do a last uh call to action of where people can find you i know i put your twitter handle down below um but you can you can give yeah your own info you can give Andre's info um we did so, the beginning but we'll do it again now <laughs> absolutely yeah so uh, if you guys want to follow up with me, you can hit me up on Twitter at Sully Does It All or at or on Entra at Sully Instagram at Sully Does It All. If you want to shoot me an email, Ryan at Join Entra, whichever way you want to reach out to me. Um, always happy to connect, happy to help. And yeah, that's the best way. And also definitely check out joinentra.com. Make sure to give me a connection. And like Jack said at the beginning, entra.link slash Jack for a free Entra Pro membership. So let's get it. Cool. Well, thanks for joining in. Thanks for uh, joining in people who are live and people who are listening. Uh, and thanks for joining us, uh, Sully. Uh, I hope to see you in future or listen to you in, in future <laughs> or, or future rooms and, and Zooms and all. Um, but thanks for being on. Dude, absolutely. I really, really appreciate you having me on. This is awesome. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you.